Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 188 of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. Well, I'm excited to be uh, doing a deep dive today into the whole question of just quitting in leadership, because this is a huge issue. I don't know if this happened to you in seminary, but um, I know it did to a lot of people. It was sort of like, look to your left, look to your right. Only one of you is going to be doing this 30 years from now. And the thing that bothers me is I think a lot of people quit their calling before God is done with them. Uh, That's why I'm really passionate about bringing you today's guest, Jessica Beeler, Gina McLean. They have done uh, what is actually one of the most complex jobs in any church, which is kids ministry, next gen ministry. I know in the past, like probably when you grew up, you know, it didn't seem to get a whole lot of attention. But if you look at the complexity of leadership, The next-gen position, as we talked about before, is actually one of the most demanding positions that you can have in the church. And these two have done it for a combined number of decades that they talk about, and they've done it while raising young families. Both of them are moms. Both of them are highly, highly skilled, capable leaders. And we talk about some things that, that frankly, guys, we need to talk more about, but we don't. they talk about self-esteem and how that impacts leadership. And um, I mean, they talk about why balance is a joke and how to get it all done and um, how to develop more resilience. You know, that's something uh, David Kinnaman was on this podcast last year. And we talked about that is the difference between leaders who make it over the long run and who don't is resilience. And so I'm so thrilled to have Jessica Beeler and Gina McLean. Uh, Jessica worked for years at Elevation Church, Gina for years at Life Church, and now over the last, I don't know, number of years at Faith Promise Church. And both of them are exceptional leaders. They're great friends, and I think you're going to really enjoy them today. And, you know, one of the things that can really help you, I think, in your leadership journey is to build a team. And a lot of us struggle with how to do that. And so I want to share with you a way that I built my team over the last few years and continue to build my team. And that's by using um, a partner to this podcast, Belay Solutions. So that's B-E-L-A-Y Solutions. And what they do is they kind of help you climb higher. That's the whole idea about belaying, right? And I know when I uh, ran out of ideas on who to hire, I called my friend Brian Miles, who's been a guest on this podcast. I said, can you help me out? And I engaged his services for the first time a couple of years ago. Well, now... Um, I've got a couple of team members directly from Belay, and I got to tell you, I am so impressed. I'm going back for more this summer, um, you know, because searching is so hard. Have you ever found like, you know, you put out an ad, you either get nobody or you get 100 people and you're like, I don't think the right person is in the mix. They do all that for you and they'll start you at 10 hours a week. So even if, you know, you're a startup or part time or a smaller church or organization, Um, 10 to 15 hours a week can make a huge difference, and they'll go all the way up to 40 hours a week. Now, who uses them? Well, church leaders, I use them. Um, Damon John, actually, from Shark Tank, uses them. 
Michael Hyatt has used them, and so many other business and executive leaders and church leaders, large churches, small churches. Check them out. And, and I've got a special homepage just for you as podcast listeners. Go to belaysolutions.com slash carry. So that's B-E-L-A-Y solutions.com slash carry, C-A-R-E-Y. Remember this, when you grow your team, you grow your leadership. You end up doing only what you can do. And that's one of the best things you can do. So to give you an example, I don't even manage this podcast. I record it. I develop the relationships. But uh, the manager for this podcast, Holly Beth, she's from Belay Solutions. And she does an incredible job. Uh, so thank you, Holly Beth, for all of your work on this podcast as well. Lining up the guests, getting all that stuff taken care of so that I can focus on content, which is really about the only thing I'm good at anymore. So, hey, I want to thank all of you who leave ratings and reviews. Thank you. If you haven't subscribed yet to the podcast, could you do that? That would be awesome. And uh, thank you for sharing it with friends. So I know you're going to love this episode. And without much further ado, here is my conversation uh, with Gina McLean and Jessica Beeler. Well, it's really exciting to have Jessica Bueller and Gina McLean on the podcast. Gina, welcome back. And Jess, welcome. Thank you. So we, we got to connect all the dots here. But um, Bueller, that's a name that uh, a lot of people who I know might know because uh, you are the better half of Frank, correct? My good friend, Frank. <laughs> yes, that's correct. I don't know. I don't know if I'm the better half, but I'm the other half. <laughs> the he other he half would say you're the better half for sure. <laughs> for sure. I know Frank well enough. And uh, you guys served for many years at Elevation Church and uh, are now anchored with Rethink Orange in um, Atlanta and, uh, and hanging out there, which is great. And Gina, welcome back. So uh, you are you. part of Faith Promise Church and mm-hmm. uh, you're on a snow day right now in Knoxville, Tennessee. Is yes. that true? <laughs> yes, we are. I made the comment earlier, Jess, I feel like I'm Canadian right now. Oh, snow on the ground, it's like seven degrees outside. I'm not really sure what to do with it. Well, mm-hmm. we have a snow day, and it's it. There's no snow on the ground, so <laughs> there's that. That's a very Atlanta thing. Just just yeah, saying, right. you know. Yeah. It's like it might snow, so let's right. just shut down. Yeah. Just call it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Exactly. Well, it's good to have you both. You both led very significant ministries at Elevation Church, at Faith Promise Church. You're both leaders in your own way. Jess, you just launched a brand new podcast, um, which we're going to talk about at the end. Um, but you also have a book out, which is really all about not quitting. Um, and uh, I got to ask you, too, because both of you have led for a few years at a very significant level in leadership. Have you ever thought about quitting? Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, that's, I think that's really why when Gina and I were collaborating on the book, I think that's why we wanted to... because. Even though we were really happy in our positions, we were really um, satisfied with the direction and the advancement that we were seeing, there are still days when you just don't want to do it anymore. You just want to throw your hands up in the air and give up. And so, yeah, yeah, there are days, there are moments when, um, when I definitely wanted to quit. There were, there were too many days when I would drive by the McDonald's and I would think, God, you know. The one question I would love to spend my day asking right now is, do you want fries with that? (laughs) That sounds really tempting right now. Do you want fries with that? Uh, You know, my my first job was at McDonald's. I wouldn't go back there. Maybe something else. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. I'm not the only one then who has the fantasy alternative career, right? I know. 
No. When I was yeah. burning out, that was like, I just, my dream job was I'm stacking boxes at Walmart. That's it. Right. It's like, oh my you gosh. move a box, it stays. I don't think I'd have the physical stamina to do that for more than two hours. But, right. you know, hey, it's nice to think about it. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we all have it. So I, I got to ask you, what were your triggers? Like what, when you think about personally, and I know there'll be two different answers here, but when you like, what pushes you to the edge and you haven't quit, which is a real, you know, strength for both of you. But Gina, what pushes you to the edge when you're like, okay, that's a trigger for me? Uh, well, I mean, what pushes me to the edge when I don't take adequate time off, then I'm going to, mm. I know I'm going to put myself in a pretty precarious position, but um, I have such a hyper, uh, competitive nature to me. Um, and I want to treat leading people the way that I treat playing a, a, a game of checkers or dominoes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and in checkers, I'm, I'm moving pieces that are inanimate, mm-hmm. you know, they don't move, uh, unless I move them and they go in whatever direction I want them to go when I choose to move them. And I think when, uh, a trigger for me, a lot of times is when I have these expectations that the people I leave that, that, that I lead are going to act like the pawns on my, um, on my checkerboard, you know, <laughs> that they're not going to have an opinion about whether or not they move forward or backwards or left or right. You know, um, they're not going to have an opinion as to whether or not they want to, or how excited they're going to be about it. They, they should just move, you know, and <laughs> that a lot of times is, is a trigger for me. That really gets me. Um, uh, and that can quickly lead to frustration in, in my own leadership when I have these expectations that really ultimately are not appropriate for the audience that I'm leading. Yeah. And just to remind people too, what are you leading at Faith Promise? Just give us an idea of the scope because it's significant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Faith Promise is a multi-site church. So we have uh, multiple locations. Um, We have seven locations, physical locations with children's ministry at it. And I'm responsible for leading children's ministry at a global level, uh, birth through fifth grade. And um, so that's the breadth of it. Um, so it all of it, to, seven locations. So, uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 That's common. How many volunteers would you oversee? Like you, roughly ballpark. Yeah. It's about, it's about 750 to 800 volunteers. Yeah. Um, and yeah, when you factor that in and, and really our goal and our, our objective in that is to develop leaders out of that 800, you know, um, and, and, and develop a system or a, a, a culture that identifies where people are and challenges them and, and encourages them and loves them to a point to where they're willing to take a step in the direction where they need to go. And that's just not a one and done process. That doesn't happen uh, uh, one, you know, on, a, on a Sunday. It's such a long and, and arduous process where um, over time, when you don't feel like you see any progress, it gets to be exhausting and you start to yeah. lose, uh, you start to lose some of the fire. You know, you yep. may not be, I mean, people listening to this right now, you may not be in a place where you're thinking I'm ready to flip hamburgers, you know, and I want to step out of ministry, but you may have lost the fire that's in you that drove you to ministry in the first place. And both of those scenarios are dangerous. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. I always find that whenever I've made a mistake, like, like when I've messed up big time, um, I'm embarrassed. And I just want to be like, oh, I just want to retreat into my little hidey hole and like, like leave me alone. And um, I think really when I make a mistake or when I'm in a season where um, I've I've failed more than I've succeeded, mm. um, then those are the seasons that it's really tough to push through for me. Mm. Would, are you a perfectionist by nature, Jessica? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think Gina and I both are. I mean, we got to be so close 
um, while we were writing this book. And it was so um, interesting how our the same things that were going through my mind were things that were going through Gina's mind. And I think that was just confirmation that these are the same things that are going through every leader's mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think Gina and I both deal with um, with perfectionism. We're both super highly competitive, um, which is a good thing, but it can also definitely be um, you know, a fault as well when it, when it goes to the extreme. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think for me, it was more when I messed up, when I, when I've made some mistakes or I've, um, made, you know, the wrong call in a certain situation, that's when I, I feel like I'm a failure and I just want to like, you know, turn in my resume or my resignation. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, do you think many leaders are ready to quit most Mondays? I mean, you've got that that thing in your book where, you know, hey, it's Monday, you're ready to quit, right? right. So yeah. <laughs> what, what is it about Mondays and ministry? And I think even for marketplace leaders, right? Monday is not exactly the most popular day of, mm-hmm, of right. the week. Why, why do we all want to quit on Mondays? Right. Well, I, I think you're still living, um, if you're in ministry, you're fixing all the problems that you had from the, from the weekend. So, I mean, you've got, you've got parents or attendees to call. You've got staff members that there was some kind of altercation with or argument with that you've got to smooth it over. Um, there are things that you've got to fix from the previous weekend, but Sunday's coming around in six more days. Um, I think if you're in the marketplace, if you're in, um, you know, the workplace, I think it's the same thing. I mean, you still have things that you're trying to tie up from the previous week, but at the same time, you've got deadlines and you've got projects and presentations for the, for this week. And so at that point, when you're both looking back and looking forward, it just is overwhelming. And I think that's why Mondays is the day that you get up and you're like, oh, I just don't want to do it anymore. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is exactly true. Um, what do you think some of the biggest factors? You guys, I appreciate where you started with you, you know, that, that when people don't do exactly what you want them to do, or when you've messed up and it sort of plays with your head, that those can be really frustrating points for you. If you can isolate the factors that discourage most of the leaders that you've worked with, because again, you know, your experience at Elevation Church, again, a huge church, uh, Jess, yeah. where you were responsible for kids ministry and very involved, hyper-involved in that I mean, you just see so many different leaders. What what are most leaders' trigger points? What are some other ones? Yeah, I feel like that um, if you if you feel like no one is listening or or no one cares about what's important to you, that can be really discouraging. Um, mm-hmm. And and you know that's one of those things where it's like really you probably just need to get the person in the room and communicate. Um, you know, because I think lack of communication for so many of us is what discourages us the most because we don't know where we stand. Um, and, and, you know, it feels like that we're on shifty soil and it's, it, you know, it's just not, um, it's, it's just not a great place to be for leaders. But, you know, I also feel like there are, there are other things that, that lead us to discouragement. I feel like when we feel ill-equipped, um, I, I feel like when we when we feel like I don't have the tools to achieve what I what I need to achieve, especially in ministry, a lot of times it feels like you're underfunded and you have all these expectations placed on you, and yet you don't have the resources to achieve them. And so I think again that that is very um, that is a very frustrating um, place to be. And of course, I think when you're struggling at home, when family life is struggling, mm-hmm. um, man, it is the toughest thing. I'll tell you a couple years back. Um, 
we were really struggling with my oldest biological child. We have four kids. My oldest is actually adopted. We adopted him about a year ago. Um, but my oldest biological son, um, this was before the adoption took place. He was just really struggling with school. I mean, he just, his grades, he had been a straight A student and his grades were, were kind of falling and he had not really fallen into a bad crowd, but I don't know if I would say that they were um, positive and like directing him in the way that he should have been going. And um, he was just really struggling. And I remember um, night after night crying myself to sleep because, you know, it's parenting is hard and parenting teenagers is harder. And, um, and it would be during those seasons that little things that would come up in my ministry that on a normal day, I'd be able to problem solve and no big deal. That's not a big deal. That's just, you know, something that we need to get into a room and collaborate on and fix that problem. But those things would feel overwhelming when my family life was struggling. And so I think that when family is off, then a lot of times um, everything else feels overwhelming. It's true. It's true. Because it all bleeds together. It, it's, they're, they're not isolated. Yeah. Um, and, and I think another challenge, uh, which kind of gets into the time balance, um, you know, uh, conversation is it's really easy for, uh, for your spouse to, you know, if, if you are not helpful with how you talk about work and circumstances at home, um, then you can lead your spouse in a direction of, uh, you know, to where they begin to develop resentment, um, towards the church and, and your leadership and what's happening within the church. Um, and all of that is like, it's just this toxic, uh, thing that kind of hovers around and it it just gradually erodes. Um, and so, yeah, that can, that can, uh, be a real trigger, um, you know, for leaders. I think that I love how Jessica talked about, you know, when you feel ill-equipped, um, to do something. And, and I, I don't know anybody in ministry that feels fully equipped to do what they were called to do. <laughs> right. You know? Totally. Right. We're all okay. making this up as we go along. <laughs> we really, right. we, are, we really are. And I know for me, I know that, I know that even though I don't have the full resources that I feel like I should have or need in order to accomplish what lies before me, I know that if I just had enough time and space to stop and, and think creatively, then, uh, then I might be able to come up with a solution, but just even finding that is is such a challenge because we're chasing Sunday uh, so often, and uh, and so that that constant pressure, that under the gun kind of nature of of uh, that seven day cycle in ministry um, can create this um, you know this pressure cooker that makes it really challenging to sustain over the long haul. I know that whenever I'm talking to somebody who says uh, I think I have a calling into ministry, especially children's ministry. And I don't know if children's ministry is any different from any other kind. It's just the only world I've ever known. And so uh, I really do speak myopically in that pers- in that respective. Um, but whenever I talk to somebody who's, who has a calling ministry, the first thing I dive into is, hey, you know, let's talk about how resilient you are. Um, mm. Because at the end yeah. of the day, if you do not have a strong level of resilience, um, then this is going to be a really hard road to travel. Yeah. Uh, because it really does require your ability to come, walk in the office on Monday and bounce right back and be ready to jump into things again. That's so good. What I, I mean, I've got a couple questions I want to ask you right now. So let me go with this one. Resilience. What yeah. makes... And then I want to talk about limited resources because you both come from large churches. All right. right. And I realize that. I mean, we have a multi-million dollar budget too, but there are budget conversations every day. You think, oh, if we have millions of dollars, well, you know, we'll be yeah. able to do whatever. Hey, yeah. you're always... Listen to Craig Rochelle who kicked off 2018. He talks about even at Life Church, artificially limiting your resources because it mm-hmm. produces creativity. So I want to talk about that. But before we get to that, let's go to resilience. 
What are the characteristics of a resilient leader? We'll also um, link in the show notes to an interview I did with David Kinnaman in 2017, where he said that is the number one qualification for um, pastors, senior pastors, that those who are resilient make Mm -hmm. it in the long run and those who aren't don't. So let's talk about that. What does what is what does a resilient leader look like in your view? Uh, I think for me, the first thing I would say is self-confidence. They just have a mm. strong sense of self-confidence. They understand uh, their identity and their value in Christ. It's not rooted in uh, in what they are capable of doing. It's not rooted in their own talents and their own achievements, um, but it's rooted in their their identity in Christ. I think that's a, a you know, honestly, I think that's the root of it. So let me push back. I think a lot of leaders probably have really low self-esteem. I mean, I talk yeah. to a lot of leaders and their self-confidence. And we're, you're not talking arrogance. I get that. You're not talking yeah, about yeah, pride. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. You're, you're just saying a quiet confidence that says, God's in this. I can do yeah. this. He'll get me through it. But like a lot of leaders aren't there. So no. how did you build up as a leader, how have you built up your self-confidence to the point where you can bounce back? Um, I'm, I am one of them. I have, I, I have, have actively worked on my, um, self-confidence, um, for, well, probably for the past intensively for the past five years. Wow. Um, and that's been progressive. Um, yeah. but so, you know, and I've led in children's ministry for how long, Jessica now? Seven, are we at yeah. 18 years now? I think, I think, I think you're at 18, I'm at 17. So I think it's 35 years. <laughs> there, you go. Wow. there you go. So a long time. So there's you a good win, it, Gina. It's, yeah. We're both competitive. You yeah. win. <laughs> <laughs> it's only because I'm older than you. So <laughs> I have this, I, you know, I, I went for, for a number of years um, limping along like a leader with broken limbs um, because I had, I, my self-confidence really was in the toilet. Um, and I knew it was an issue, but I didn't know how to to work with it. And so it really wasn't until I started being super intentional about um, addressing the root of my uh, self-confidence. And what I had to to do, I mean, initially it was just, it was realizing the dialogue that I had going on in my head, right? That that constant um, audio track that's just going over and over and over again in my head. And most of what it said was, um, you can't do this. Uh, you're not capable somebody's going to figure this out and they're going to pull you out of this role. Um, you're nothing more than an imposter. Um, and you've managed to, to, to fool people so far, but it's not going to last very long. And so it, a big step for me was just recognizing that that dialogue wasn't healthy. Um, mm-hmm. because that dialogue would get, would, would be, um, the volume would be lighter when I was achieving and doing well. And that volume would just go, would, would rise when I was doing poorly and I wasn't achieving to the same degree. And, um, so it wasn't at all healthy. I had to, I had to, to see that for what it was. And even though I didn't, the thing that was so crazy about it is I didn't want to stop the dialogue because the dialogue is all that I knew, you know? Mm. And it was almost like it was, I, I feel like it was almost, I don't know what it's like to be an abusive relationship, but I equate it to that in that I don't, even though I know that I'm not healthy with this dialogue in my head, I don't know what life is like without it. And so I'm not comfortable removing it, you know, wow. I at least know what this is like and I know how to manage it, you know, it's good, you know, so I, as I started to work through that, what I realized is, okay, I started for a good year and a half, I started calling out the lies that I was hearing myself in my head that I was hear, hearing uh, in my head that what I was telling myself, I started calling out the lies. Um, the pivotal point for me was when I realized that um, I might have been plucking the lies out, but all I wasn't replacing it with the truth. 
So mm. all I was doing was leaving a hole for me to fill it up with more lies, you know? And so it wasn't until I started replacing it with the truth, which was super hard and super awkward. Um, because I, you know, I've got Southern Baptist roots and, and this was just not something I was taught growing up, you know, which mm-hmm. was it's ultimately declaring scripture, de- declaring truths out of scripture. And, you know, when Craig did um, that sermon series at the beginning of, of 2016, I think it was, Craig Rochelle did a sermon series uh, called, um, actually, I don't remember what it's called, but it, 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 that's the, the topic of it was, was uh, declarations of truths. Um, We'll, and, we'll dig it up and link to it in the show notes. I oh, have a vague recollection of it too, but I can't tell you what it is either. Words yeah. to live by. Words to live by. There That's you go. what it is. It's a phenomenal series. And uh, when I heard that series, that really amplified everything for me. Um, I'd already been in a process of, of uh, declaring truth, but I've been doing it on a limited, limited basis as, and I, as, I, as I listened to Craig talk about how he had incorporated this, this um, discipline in his life every day where he would stand in front of a mirror and he would say, he would speak these uh, uh, declarations of truth every single day. And I realized that's where I need to change things. That's really what's going to be different in my life is if I choose to do it every single day, because truth is truth, whether I choose to believe it or not, part of my process is transforming my mind or allowing allowing the truth to transform my mind so that I could truly see myself the way that my heavenly father sees me. And that's where confidence comes from. Yeah. You know? Wow. That's so, so good, Gina. You know, I, when you were talking about the confidence thing, I just keep, so when, when my confidence is lacking or when I'm feeling discouraged, um, I have a tendency to be like, I'm just going to work harder. I'm right. just going to do more. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and, and honestly, sometimes you end up driving yourself into the ground. Yeah. Um, and, and so what I've found for me that works, um, to help lift my self-confidence, um, to help get me back on track, to help me refocus and 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 have resilience, um, is well, kind of what you were mentioning is is are the disciplines. So, I, am I am I organized right now? I mean, is my life a chaotic mess, or am I using my calendar wisely? Um, am um am am I asking? Am I running all of these things that I'm doing? Am I running it through the filter of? Um, of, is this an effective strategy? So does this move me closer to my goal? Like you, I think you mentioned that in the book. And so I think a lot of times, um, there are very practical things that we can do in our lives on a daily basis to actually combat, um, when the enemy is attacking our self-confidence. That's true. It's oh, that's true. good. This is like a, a mini masterclass. This is so good. <laughs> Um, I've, uh, and you know, that, that thing you said to Gina about standing in front of a mirror, I mean, yeah. years ago, just because everybody has read it, I read uh, Napoleon Hill's Thinking Grow Rich, which I think comes from the 1930s, if I'm not mistaken. And I mean, that's one of the things he says is you stand in front of a mirror and you say these things out loud. And I mean, some of the stuff he's got you saying is kind of hokey in my view, but um, I look at some very successful people that I admire and respect who love Christ, and they do that. And that is really good. I have something in my Evernote, which is just what I call my new story. And it's just like some things that are true that replace the lies that I live by for so long. And it's it's yeah. really your Heavenly Father's view. And I yeah. read that. I add to it from time to time. Um, mm. That's super helpful. I, I'm just going to ask you. I don't know the answer to this question. Share as you're comfortable, but like, have as, did a counselor help you through that, or this is more of a self-directed journey in your case? Counselors helped me through a lot of yeah. that. 
Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's been a combination. It's been, mm. a, you know, I did, I went through the steps of the freedom steps uh, with a counselor a few years ago, which was really uh, beneficial, at least in beginning uh, or really kind of uh, catapulting this process. Um, but then it's, it's a lot of it has been um, faithful, really wise friends, um, mm. which is super frustrating because these are wise friends who are younger than me. And I'm like, why are you wiser than me? And you, and I, <laughs> And I've been because you're competitive. I'm that's like, not right. Yeah. right? It's all over me. It's so bad. This is that's yeah. another unhealthy thing God's working on. <laughs> but but really, they're so super wise. And and I remember a friend of mine. Uh, she she was she's so faithful to call me out. And and at one point she did. She spoke those words in my in my life. She said, um, "I was just in a in a really you know poor place at the time." And she said, "Gina, truth is truth, whether you choose to believe it or not." Oh wow! You know, and and that was. That was, um, I hit, I needed to hear that, you know, it really hit uh, home for me because I, I realized that what I was doing is I was denying, um, the truth of God's word and I was doing it willfully, you know? Um, and that's just, that's not the story that I want to tell, right? Yeah. That's not the story that I want to, uh, to be told of me. And so that was a turning point for me. So it's been a combination of counselors, uh, wise friends, um, and just the willingness to do something crazy as stand in front of a mirror and um, speak statements like, you know, uh, I develop people. It's not who I am. It's or it's not what I do. It's who I am, which Good is stolen directly from Craig Rochelle. Yeah. <laughs> Jess, anything for you that you see in yourself or in others for resilience? What are what are the qualities and what we're talking about? Right. We want to be um, fresh and celebrating at 70, 80 years old. We don't want to, we don't want to limp across the finish line. We don't want to, you know, say, well, I wonder what could have been. I mean, and I think you're right. The key is resilience. Yeah. So Jess, anything else you would add to that list? You know, I think, um, Gina talks about this in the book, actually, um, focus, just, um, Mm. willing to say no to some things that you can say yes to the best things. Um, I think resilient leaders have really great focus, um, I also think that resilient leaders know how to draw boundaries because um, not everyone should have access to you and to your inner thoughts. And so I think resilient leaders have to draw boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also, I mean, I already kind of mentioned um, strategy and organization. Um, for me, I need backup. Um, and let me let me just explain kind of <laughs> what I mean by that. Like, I need people who are going to stand in the gap for me and who are going to um, call me out when I'm being negative, um, but also who are going to love me and support me. And I feel like if you don't have um, backup, it won't be long until um, until the burnout really just consumes you. But you have to have somebody who is both encouraging, but can offer um, constructive perspective in those really dark days. That's good. That's good. That, that is good. You know, I'll just give you an anti- anecdote. Um, we're early on into a new year. We're recording this a couple weeks into January. And one of the things my team has encouraged me to do is just say no more often. So 2018 mm-hmm. has been a year yeah. where literally we had our team meeting a couple of hours ago. And, you know, my speaking coordinator, podcast coordinator, and then my assistant are in on the meeting. And like, it was basically no. And I mean, there's no, I can't do that. No, I'm not going to do this. And you have people who are doing the work around to please do this event, please. And like, you know, June's already booked up and other months are booked up. And so probably two years ago, I would have said yes. Um, But when I said no to like a list of things, they literally started cheering. They're like, good for you. 
And uh-huh. I know we get ourselves into a place when we say yes too often. And there's a part of me that would love to say yes to everything that comes along. Like we're so right. blessed. We're so blessed. But like I get into a very bad place personally when I'm stretched and I'm not well rested and I've got too much on the calendar and I've got too much to do. And I think that's when you get into the mental headspace of like, I don't know whether I want to do this anymore. Right. Yeah, do you see that as true. well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, when I go, um, I, there's something about um, ministry, especially multi-site ministry, where um, it seems your your biggest objective is to develop the next leader who can lead the next campus. Yes, um, you know, yeah. and and sometimes that feels in conflict to uh, your other biggest objective, which is to create an experience that families want to return to every seven days. Um, and if I keep launching my great leaders out of these campuses to launch <laughs> new ones. Yeah. Then that means that I've got to have good ones on the bench behind it, and so it just may, it takes leader development up to uh, into a new um, a high priority, and that can get that can get exhausting um, because when you feel like again traction, when you feel like you're not gaining traction in that area, it's defeating. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know? um, and that's a burnout point for me. One of my favorite books about this topic is um, Lisa Turkers put out the best yes. And it is such an incredible book, especially for women. Anyone, anyone would, anyone would enjoy it, but especially for women, mm-hmm. um, it is, it is incredible book. So if you're struggling to say no, definitely check that one out. Cool. First. Let's talk about resources and limited resources. So Elevation Church, Faith Promise Church, Connexus Church, all resourced churches. I mean, literally more than most leaders could dream of, and yet. I heard you both say limited resources, limited yeah. resources. First of all, for those who are leading a church that's like, we have no resources, and I've done that. I've led little yep. tiny micro churches with no money, and then where we are today, um, help them understand why it doesn't matter how big you get, you're always facing limits. Because, I mean, when you know, if you would have told me when our church had an annual budget of $40,000 a year, which at one point we did, that we'd be a two-plus-million-dollar organization, I'd be like, you know, we won the lottery. It's just, yeah, we get to do an awful lot of things, but there's limits everywhere you turn. Why is that, and how have you had to face limited resources, and how can that lead you to discouragement? Yeah, so um, it's just ironic that you mentioned that you've you've been in both both sizes, very large budget and very small. I have two. I've actually, so this is my 17th year in children's ministry, but I've only actually ever been at two churches. Um, I was at the first one for eight, nine years and the second one for eight years. And uh, my first one was a church of, I mean, we got up to 250 people. Like yeah. that was as much as it was, you know, and my budget, I remember negotiating for, I mean, I know this sounds crazy, but I remember negotiating for $75. Like I remember sitting in a budget meeting and saying, I really need the $75. Can you please give it to me? You know? And, and so I've been at that end of the spectrum. And then of course, um, I mean, the family ministry at Elevation, which includes groups and students and kids. I mean, we're talking well over a million dollar budget every year, um, which which I know that sounds like crazy, but when you're thinking they have 20 locations and I mean, 2,500 um, volunteers in family ministry alone. And, um, and I mean, thousands and thousands of 6,000 kids. I mean, it's really, it really is limiting. And so, uh, yeah. and, and not just funding, but there are never enough human resources. I mean, right. the, the question that I'm asked most often is how do I get more volunteers? Mm-hmm. And it is, it is, going to be like, no matter where you are in ministry, no matter what size that you are, 
it is going to be your biggest limiting factor as far as your human resources. You can always do more if you have more people. You don't really need a massive budget if you have more people. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem comes in is that we have limited budgets and limited human resources. And then we're all struggling for the same because really, right, I mean, there's one pot and we're, I mean, all the ministries mm-hmm. get, there's, there's only there's only so much money, there's only so much people. And so it feels just like a constant tug and pull. Well, I need that. No, I need this. Um, you know, and, and it's a tension to be managed. It's not a problem to solve. It's not, there's, you know, like it's one of those things where, um, you know, if you're truly on board and you're truly a team player, then you're going to want what's best for all the ministries in your church, including the one that you lead as well. Um, I do want to say something about, about limits though. I want to, I just want to mention for just a minute. I feel like that we had this saying at Elevation, we think inside the box. Um, and we all have a box and um, we, and our box is, um, is our budget. Our box is the space that we've been given. Um, our box is the number of volunteers that we have. Our box is the staff that we need to work with on a weekly basis to make it happen. Um, and so we all have a box, but what I found is that that box also helps us to be more creative with what we have. And so a lot of times limits are blessings because if you had an unlimited budget with 250 people, you would, you would squander all that you have, you know? Um, And so, and so the box that we have, yes, it's a box. And for some, that box is smaller than others, but at the end of the day, the box is necessary. Your limits are necessary so that God gets the glory. And Mm -hmm. so that your, um, your creative processes are, um, are always pushing you forward and that you're always advancing, um, in areas that you probably wouldn't advance and you wouldn't push forward if you had unlimited resources. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. You know, that's exactly what Craig Rochelle said, that Life Church at its size, and you were there for a while, Gina, um, yeah. operates under artificial restraints, like mm-hmm. less than they could spend, because that actually produces creativity. It actually mm-hmm. produces uh, a much better level of leadership, because with unlimited resources, leaders get lazy, leaders get, well, yeah. stupid, to be honest. Like, you just start making decisions that, that smart people don't make. Uh, anything else about resources that you would want to add, Gina, to that limited resources? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I just want to I want to touch on the that idea that you know a lot of times when you are operating in a in a smaller context, um, you know, it is it's really easy to look at a larger church and think, well, if I had their budget, you know, imagine what I could do with that, and um, and yet um, it's it's not comparing apples to apples, you know. Right. Uh, there was a time when, um, you know, when we had a ministry of, you know, of 30 kids and what I would spend, uh, per head on a ministry of 30 kids is far more than what I would spend today on a ministry of a thousand. Um, because I just can't justify, you know, the, the amount that we spend. So, uh, you know, where I might've splurged more on my ministry of 30, when I look at the, if I were to take the same resources and go out and consider uh, investing that same amount of money, I would look at that and you look at that, that dollar and you think, gosh, there's so much more we could do with that if we didn't invest it in this one item, you know, uh, yeah. that just adds up so quickly. So I think from a, you know, from that, that financial standpoint, it can be, um, uh, it's not uh, uh, beneficial to assume that with a larger budget, you could do so much more because the truth is there is tremendously a lot that you could do uh, with the budget that you have. Yeah. Um, you know, that human resource piece is huge, right? 
because in fact, if you can engage, if if uh, financial constraints force you to have to really employ the, the human resource side of things, then you're actually winning, even though it's yeah. harder, right? Yeah. Because it's easier for me to order a pizza than it is to get into the kitchen and fix dinner with my family, right? Yeah. It's, it's just easier. It might cost more. Um, and making dinner with my family might be cheaper, but I miss out on the experience that I have with that group of people uh, when I don't uh, make dinner with them. And so it's kind of this, this, this the concept translates. Um, if I'm forced to, based upon financial constraints to look at my human resources and try to figure out how do we accomplish this with the people that I have, then I engage them on a new level and I give them the opportunity to contribute in a way that they, they haven't been able to contribute in the past. Um, and you know, that's a win for our ministry. So limitations don't have to be a negative thing. They actually right. can be something, they can be a catalyst. That's great. Yeah. And limitations also help you to prioritize. I mean, because a and lot of times, a lot of times you want to spend money on 10 different things, but you only have enough to spend on two and yeah. it, it keeps um, your, your top priorities clear in front of you, which, yeah. which also reminds you of your vision. It clarifies your vision for you constantly. So again, limits are healthy. I know it doesn't feel like it. A lot of times you may feel like you're operating on an under or an unhealthy budget, um, an underfunded ministry, but a lot of times um, limits yeah. are healthy. They help you keep your priorities straight. You mentioned healthy, unhealthy. Uh, a lot of leaders I talk to would say they're trying to create a healthy environment and an overall toxic culture. Mm-hmm. Not every church culture is healthy. Uh, can you create a healthy culture within a culture that you know, in the macro sense is, is not healthy? And if so, how? You must deal with that as you resource church leaders all the time. And I think yeah. I'll say that, I'll preface it by saying, I think you're, you're, you're both operating out of context in the past and present that have been fundamentally healthy. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, that is not every leader's story. So sure. to somebody who's leading kids ministry, student ministry, next gen, discipleship, guest services, mm-hmm. you name it, fill in the blank, who's like, yeah, I'm trying to get a healthy team, rest of the culture, senior leader, not so much. <laughs> what do you say? Yeah. Or is that yeah. even possible? I, I, I think it's possible. I, I do think it's harder. I mean, I, I, yeah. think it, I think if you're in an unhealthy culture, um, I definitely think that not just ministry, but even in the workplace, I mean, even in the secular workforce, I mean, if you're in an unhealthy culture, it it is, it is definitely harder. Um, I do think, though, that many of the situations that we find ourselves in um, are an outcome of something that we either did or that we failed to do. Um, and so I'm not, and I'm not saying that the, all of the, the problems that are in your culture, in your workplace or at your church, um, that those are all your fault. Um, but I do think that we can still grow as a leader, that we can determine to handle difficult situations with grace and with mercy. I think that it's, it's all about intentionality. So, um, are you positive? Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Are you working hard? Are you communicating well? Are you hitting your deadlines? I mean, I I don't think that God ever intends any any place. I mean, the, the workforce or whatever. I don't I don't think that God wants or intends for it to be a mess. Um, so if you're if you're in the middle of a mess and yet you have really healthy habits. I mean, you are meeting your deadline. You are, you do have a spirit of positivity. Um, then maybe, just maybe, you're the person who's called called the change, the the culture <laughs> around you. Mm-hmm. You know, so I I do think it's possible. I I just think it's hard. Yeah, yeah. I I wish I could add more to that, but uh, Jess really hits the the nail on the head. I think the the only thing I would add to that is is the um, 
the awareness, if you're finding yourself in that type of situation, the awareness of, um, you know, guarding your heart for the wellspring of life, uh, making sure that, uh, that as you follow your leader, um, do you choose every day to believe that your senior leadership uh, hears direct from, directly from the Lord? Um, do you choose to believe every day um, that your senior leadership, as they are prompted by the Spirit, follow that prompting and pursue the direction um, that that God is leading them, right? Um, and if your answer to those questions are no, then, then there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem may likely be within you, uh, but you're in a dangerous place. And, uh, and it's something that has to be addressed, addressed. Maybe it's something that you, uh, go off on your own and you kind of work through, uh, with trusted friends to get to a place where you can say yes to those questions. Um, uh, but you have to work through that because I don't see how you can lead, um, in a healthy way in a toxic culture. If you can't say yes to those questions. Yeah, that's good. You know, and I, I, I led at, at, I had about 30 direct reports at Elevation. And so I was a leader um, of those, of those staff, but I also had my own, I mean, I had my own report that I had to report to. And um, I once heard, um, I believe it was Andy Stanley. He came and did a leadership teaching um, with our staff and I believe it was him, but he said, you should every day be trying to make your leader look better. Mm-hmm. And, and, oh man, I just remember thinking, wow, that is so incredibly powerful. And even if you're in an unhealthy culture, if you mm-hmm. take the approach every day of walking in and saying, I want to help my leader look better today. I want to help yes. them succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the start of a healthy culture. That's the beginning sure. of it. Yeah, that's so good. And then I guess eventually, you know, the, the, that's really a lot of wisdom on that issue. What I say to leaders is sometimes I think it is possible to create a healthy culture within an unhealthy culture. But you yeah. may, if you if you don't ultimately have the ability to influence the health at the top, like you just get rejected, shut down. It kind of comes back to your question, Gina. If the answer is no, probably you have some long-term soul searching to do. Because yeah. at yeah. that point, I would say one of two things is going to happen. You're going to stunt your growth and that's going to be it. You've gone as far right. as you can go, or you're going to become unhealthy. Um, yeah. You yeah. you will yeah. eventually wave the white flag and start adopting some not very good practices that don't realize the potential that God has for you. I want to shift gears and talk about balance. So, Jessica, your husband Frank wrote a book about it. He called it The Myth of Balance. I yeah. speak out against balance in my high impact leader course. Um, you guys call it a joke. <laughs> is it <laughs> is it a joke? What's this what's this deal? Like can you be yeah. and I mean, you're both moms. Can you be right. balanced in, you know, working moms? You're both working no. moms. So, <laughs> no, you can't. no. No? No. No, I mean, that here's the thing. I, I mean, your calling, whatever it is, is central mm. to who you are. It's, it's, mm. you can't divide it and look, you know, oh, I'm going to put this over here and this, and no, your, yeah. your calling is who you are. And, and, you know, we're all called to different things. I mean, and, and I have multiple callings on my life. Like I'm called to be a loving mom and a supportive spouse and, mm. um, you know, a faithful friend and, you know, a compassionate daughter, but I'm also called to lead in ministry. So I have a lot of callings and all of those callings together are central to who I am. And so it's, it's not really possible to balance work and, and family or, or ministry and family. I mean, you have to find how to integrate it all. Um, there's not a perfect solution. Um, I, I mean, I wish there was, there's, 
tons of books written on this. Um, but there, there isn't a perfect solution. There are things that we can do that are healthy habits that we can form for sure. Um, but there's not, there's not a perfect solution for balance. And I loved it when, so most of the chapters in the book, the, the titles got, um, rewritten and rewritten and rewritten again. Um, but that was one that didn't, um, cause, um, Gina said, you know, like balance is a joke and, or balance, is, you know, and other funny jokes. And so, um, so anyways, no, I, I, I don't think that balance is possible. I do think that um, a healthy marriage um, with um, a healthy family and mm-hmm. a thriving ministry are possible. I just don't think balance is the answer. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think that the ministry, like any other calling, um, uh, well, sorry, I state that as if ministry is something separate, you know, from mm-hmm. who we are. And it's not, right? Um, you know, but vocational ministry, maybe that's the best way to put it, uh, like any other calling in our life. Um, it is part of the adventure of who we are, um, and our family is included in that. And, uh, you know, for us, that was, for my family, that was really uh, tested when um, when we moved from Life Church to Faith Promise Church, uh, because, you know, Life Church was our, that was our church. I had no intentions of ever leaving. That was, it just wasn't even a thought. Um, and so to to find us, uh, you know, transitioning away from Life Church and moving over to Faith Promise was definitely um, not something that I would have, you know, predicted. Uh, but I remember when we sat down with our kids and we said, um, Hey, this is what we're going to do. And this is the direction we believe that God is calling us. Uh, we talked to them about the adventure of following God. Um, you know, and that's part, this is part of the adventure and in an adventure, there are unexpected twists and turns. And sometimes you find yourself upside down, you know, but, uh, but the key is, is figuring out the ways to to make sure that you have good rhythms within each area of your life. And so I've got to have good rhythms with Kyle in order for us to have a good and healthy relationship. I've got to have good rhythms with our kids um, in order for us to remain intra uh, interdependent and 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 connected together, even though we're entering into a season now where um, it's it is a challenge to even find a time when we can each have dinner together, uh, yeah. when we can all have dinner together on the table. Because you have teenage uh, kids now. So. I do with jobs and, and, um, you know, sports teams and all this other things that they have full schedules, um, fuller than mine, you know? Yeah. Um, and you know, so it, finding those healthy rhythms, uh, I feel like is the best way to figure out, uh, or the best way to, um, uh, to sustain long-term health in ministry. And the truth is that rhythms do not mean that there is equality in the amount of time that you invest in each of these areas of your life. Balance implies, implies equality. And there's, it's just not, it's just not going to be equal. Mm -hmm. And I think the key too, is you've got to bring your family along with you, whether you are a a single guy out there and, um, and you're listening to this podcast and you're like, well, I don't have kids and a spouse or whether you're a mom and, um, you're leading, you know, an at-home business, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. um, you have to find ways to, to integrate it all. And you've got to find ways to bring your family along and your family is a lot of times, if you're that single guy out there, that your family may be your friends. I mean, it may be the people that you've selected to be your to be your family. But you've got to find a way to integrate it all. Um, you know, one of the things this is like a super. I live in the world of practical. I always have, and this is a super practical thing that I used to do. Um, whenever we would have a big meeting or a big training, 
um, we always had catered. We always catered food in for the volunteers. And I would let my kids take turns picking the catering. I would say, mm. all right, Isaac, what what do you want tonight? And he'd be like, I want Chick-fil-A. I'd be like, okay, great. You know, um, hey, Layla, what do you want? I want Subway. Okay, great. And then during the eating time, my kids would come in and they would eat the food with the, with the, the people that we were going through the training, the staff or the volunteers. Um, and they felt like they were a part of it. Like they got to, they got to help select the food. They were mingling with the volunteers. So it was their ministry as well as mine. And, and I think that, I think that whatever it is that you're doing, if, if you are trying to balance and you're trying to separate, um, you're going to create silos and, and really the answer is integration. You've got to find ways, even, even if you are in the marketplace, you're in the workplace, you're in the workforce. I think that there are things that you can do that will help your child or your spouse understand what it is that you do every day. And, and maybe they won't be as passionate about it as you are, but at least they feel like you've brought them along with you. Mm-hmm. That's really good stuff. What are some other little hacks? Because I agree. I mean, the way I would teach it, and I think you guys are in the same school, is abandon balance, embrace passion, that if you are called to work, work passionately. Uh, when it's date night, you know, embrace that with a whole heart. When you're doing family movie night, watch the movie. Don't open up your laptop and, yeah. you know, be answering email. Like, basically, be present where you are. And uh-huh. if, if you can't be passionate about all of it, just cut some stuff out. Like, just, you're mm-hmm. doing too much. you got eight things that you're trying to be passionate about. Maybe your capacity is three in this yeah. season of life. So what are some ways that you've stayed sane and healthy in the midst of raising a family, working, ministry, life? What, what has helped you? Um, you know, for me, um, and I know that you had Frank on your podcast and yeah. that he, he talked about it, but I mean, obviously we're married, so we employ the same strategy. Um, we have, we have a little rule that when this, then that. And, um, and so if there's something, for example, um, when we travel more than two nights um, and we're away from our kids for more than two nights, then the next night there's nothing going on. Like we don't, mm-hmm. we don't schedule meetings that night. We, I mean, it is family. Now our kids may have stuff going on and we have to may run them around, but we don't schedule any work, anything work related um, during that next night. So we have little, little things like that. Um, so at, for us, it's a formula that we've created that helps us develop guidelines and almost like rules that we put into place yeah. that we're like, when we do this, then yeah. so when Frank is gone for more than four nights, then when he gets back, we always go on a date night the very next night. And so, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, not the next night, the, the next um, Saturday, the next Friday. So the next weekend we go out. So the next night when he gets back is for our kids, but the next weekend we are, we are on a date night. And again, it's a formula that we created that we just used. Um, there are others that are out there, but like Gina was talking about the rhythms, you've got to find what works for you um, when it comes to integrating your work, your workplace, your ministry with your family. No, I think that's good. I mean, you you guys have more kids than we did, but we only had two, and it was like one sport and one activity at a time. That's <laughs> it. That's true. Yeah. That was it. It was just like you yeah. each get one sport. And we had one kid who's totally into sports and wanted to play 12 at a time, and another one who's totally into activities and wanted to learn like five instruments at once. But, you know, that was our rule to try to keep sane, and it was just one of them. And a date night and two nights away once a year without the kids. That was just, those are just a couple of the rhythms. Uh, Gina, any life hacks for you right now that you want to share? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one that, that, um, I had learned a few years ago was to, you know, to have a regular time each, each week when Kyle and I sit down and we actually compare calendars 
Mm-hmm. You know, we take a look and see what's on your calendar, what's on my calendar, so that we know we're in sync. And and we um we did that out of necessity because I'm the worst about remembering when I've committed to something in the evening, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. you know, I have improved over the years with saying no to the things that I don't need to invest my time in, uh, especially if it pulls me away from family time. Uh, but there's still it still doesn't it doesn't mean that those are completely eliminated. There are still times when I need to be at the church uh, or at, at an event. Um, uh, for whatever reason. And so comparing our calendars uh, became a necessity to make sure that I wasn't constantly catching my yeah. husband off guard. Um, mm. You know, when I'm calling him at 630 saying, oh, honey, I forgot. I've got to be at this thing tonight, you know. Yeah. Um, so, And he's That's so That's never graceful. a good phone call. No, but that no. man, I'm telling you, that is the most graceful man on the planet because he has, uh, if I were to call him today and say that very thing, he would, his response would be, okay, just let me know what I need to do, you know. <laughs> Um, so, but, you know, finding that rhythm of comparing calendars has been a hack that's really helped us a lot. The seasons when we don't, um, we definitely pay for it. Um, Mm. the seasons when we do, it's, it's just so much better, you know, and you know what we've discovered, Carrie is those, those trips just for he and I, you know, Mm. uh, we're to a place now where at least once a year we will go. Um, and I mean, I mean, last year, it was to uh, Sevierville, which is like 45 minutes away from where we live. And it was, it, you know, Sevierville is where, you know, it's, I don't know. I can't even explain Sevierville, but um, it's. <laughs> I couldn't even pronounce it. Dolly Parton's yeah. home place. It's Dolly Parton's home place. That explains yeah. Sevierville. Need not <laughs> explain more. Dolly Parton's home. Yeah. It's not necessarily the place that I would choose as a <laughs> dream location, you know, for, but you know what? It's what we could do at the time, given our availability and and the dollars we had to spend. And so we snuck off there for a weekend. And it's so refreshing just to have the two of us, you know. Mm. Um, and so that's been amazing for our marriage, our relationship, and that ble- bleeds over into our relationship with our kids, and ultimately into uh, into the workplace as well. It sounds so little, but for Tony and I, my wife and I, we've been at this yeah. almost. It'll be twenty eight years this year. We've been married. Our kids are twenty six, twenty two. But thank you. You know, we in the early days, it was like we would just get away to a cheap hotel somewhere, you know, like you say, 45 minutes, an hour away. It didn't matter. The fact is you're not at home because whenever you're at home, there's always a to-do list, even if the kids are gone. The kids are well taken care of. And, you know, sometimes we'd just get in the car and drive as far as we'd gas money to drive. And we'd go to Montreal or we'd go to... I yeah. remember once we went to New England for a couple of nights. And it's just little things like that. And, you know, it also lets you know where your relationship is at. Because yeah. if you're strangers at that point, well, you know, I'm a few years ahead of you guys in terms of life stage. You get a lot of time with your spouse when your kids leave home. Like, you better yeah. like each other. Right. <laughs> you better like each right. other because Good. you got yeah. a lot of time. And fortunately <laughs> for us, we'd spent enough time together over the years that we absolutely delight. Like, we love spending time together. It's yeah. We talk about how stupid it is that if we get a 45-minute car ride somewhere together at this stage, we're literally, we spend all this time together and we're both excited about it. It's like, yeah. what is that? I don't know. I think that's God's gift, but... You know, you're going to have a lot of time in the future, so you might as well, you know, yeah. enjoy, like, try to get those little snippets in the crazy. Yeah, yeah. it's really true. Yeah, okay, well, that's good. Now, uh, man, we've, we could go in so many directions, but what is the difference between quitting a job and leaving a calling? Like, mm-hmm. how do you know? Because there are leaders who are like, well, thanks for all the tips, and I know if I make those adjustments, 
Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have a better life. But I think it is time to quit. And some people, let's, let's start with the job and then we'll go to a calling. One of my theories, the reason I ask the question the way it is, is I think sometimes people leave a calling when all they needed to do was leave a job. Yes, and I, I agree. I'm, I'm out yeah. of ministry now. But what? just illuminate that a little bit for listeners. How do you know when it's time to like quit this thing? You know, um, I, I feel like just because you feel like quitting um, doesn't disqualify you from your calling. And I, I think a lot of times um, we find ourselves in situation and we lump them both together. So we say, you know, I feel like quitting. That must mean that I no longer have this calling on my life. But I am absolutely passionate about the fact that I don't feel like many people, I'm not saying no one, but I don't feel like many people have a temporary or seasonal calling on their life. I think if God revealed to you that you were called to ministry or that you were called to a certain field, um, I think that that that's probably if you're if you're thinking of quitting, I, I just want you to step, take a step back and reconsider. Like, is this a job? Is this is this dissatisfaction with my job, um, or or is this truly like God releasing me from a calling? You know, every time I, again, I told you before, I haven't really had a lot of transitions. I mean, I. Um, I kind of plant and stay there and, um, and, and, and just kind of try to work through some things. But both times that, um, I had to resign from the position that I was in, there was an unsettling of my spirit. Um, and it wasn't, it, it does, and there may have been some dissatisfaction, but that wasn't why that I was leaving my job. There was something going on inside of me as in there was something else that God was calling me to do. I didn't even quite know what it was, but I knew he was telling me to take a step. Um, I feel like that if that's not you, um, but you feel like you need to quit a job, then you probably just need to quit the job. Um, mm -hmm. like, and I'm not, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that every person listening that's dissatisfied should quit the job either, yeah. but I, I just don't want people to lump calling and, and dissatisfaction with their job together because they are not the same thing. And there's also nothing wrong um, there's nothing wrong if God is telling you to take a step forward and into advance and he's calling you to something new. Um, there's nothing wrong with, with quitting a job. Um, if that's, if that's what, if you're not doing it because I'm just tired of dealing with it all. And, you know, you know, I don't want to put up with whatever tomorrow brings, whatever. Um, I think that if, if you've actually thought through, um, and, and you've made some, some, um, I don't know if you've, if you've prayed about it and you've worked through it. I feel like that if God is telling you that there's something else for you, um, it's okay to quit the job, but I think rarely is it okay to step away from a calling. Mm -hmm. I guess good. I, I think, you know, um, Jim Weideman has a resource available on a site called stay or go. Mm, um, and I, I'm a, a fan of it primarily because of the questions that it asks um, and as you walk through the questions, it really helps to clarify maybe what, whatever it is that you're wrestling with that might provoke you to want to quit in the first place. Um, and so I think it's a it's a helpful to, so, tool. So if you find yourself in that place, I would go to his site and I would I would uh, pull that resource out and uh, and explore it. Um, but I I love the question, and I'm I'm um, I wouldn't have thought to ask that, Carrie, but it's such a great question uh, because I think the times when you I would say the times when you, when it's time for you to go, um, when it's time for you to to quit the job, but not necessarily the calling, um, is when one, if you can't align with your senior leadership, yeah, you know, if you can't align with them, then 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 you're not helping that ministry 
Um, yep. so maybe time, it might be time to quit that job. I think the other, uh, I did, I wanted to say a, a reason for leaving would be if you can't align with a vision. Um, but here's the thing I left life church. If you asked me if, did I not align with the vision of leading people to become fully devo- devoted followers of Christ? Well, that's not the case, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, you know, it isn't that it could be a lot of times the visions of the church, the, the vision of the house is something that your heart aligns with naturally. Um, but maybe it's the strategy, you know, maybe it's the strategy and the approach of, uh, of your senior leader that you would say, um, I can't align with this any longer. You know, mm-hmm. then I think that's when you could honestly look in the mirror and say, you know what, I think it's time um, to, to quit this, this job, you know, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's time uh, to leave your calling, um, to step out of the ministry. Yeah. I, I often think too, and we talked a lot about the negative aspects of workplaces, because I mean, the stat is that 70% of people don't like their jobs. And I think that's probably reasonably accurate in the church too. Um, yeah. But sometimes if you have a really healthy situation, like you did at Life Church, or just yeah. like you and Frank did at Elevation Church, where there was really nothing wrong, it was, it was right. great, yep. but there is just a pull away. There's a pull... Right. To something else. And yeah. I've experienced that and other people have. And I think even if you're in a really toxic environment, which neither of you were, but if you were, you know, you want to make sure that what you're stepping into is greater than what you're stepping out of. It's If it's yeah. really just an exit strategy, I mean, maybe if it's terribly yes. abusive, sure, you need just safety or yeah. whatever. Um, but then you're probably not going to be fresh enough to to head into anything new or healthy enough either. But that's just a question we get a lot around here from leaders. If I could add, I I think, I think a lot of times that um, we look at um, when you're, when you're in those really tough seasons, you think of exhaustion and burnout. Mm. Um, That's a problem to solve, not a means to an end. Like I think a lot of times, a lot of times people are like, I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm burned out. Obviously God wouldn't want me to be this unhappy. Um, so I'm just, I'm, I'm, you know, like I'm not, I'm just not going to be in ministry any morning. And we use almost like the, the feelings that we're having, the emotions that we're experiencing. We use that as a means to an end. We use it as a reason to quit when that's just a problem to solve. And right. so if, if you are exhausted and burned out and if you can't align with the vision, like what Gina is saying, well, then maybe the, the solution to your problem is to to quit your job. I mean, maybe that is the solution. But again, exhaustion and burnout that that doesn't that doesn't disqualify you, and it doesn't mean that your calling is over or it's finished. I so appreciate that. You know what? And and just personally, I've talked uh, quite a bit about the burnout that I went through twelve years ago. But I think that's a really good point. My calling, I was done, but my calling wasn't done. And really what needed to get healthier was me. And I was able to get healthier and stay in my job. Like, you're right. Yeah. That doesn't, just because you're burnt out, you're in a season where, right. where everything's negative, doesn't necessarily mean that the problem is the organization or the church. The problem's probably you. And you need yeah. to get you healthy, and then you can go back as a healthy, contributing person. So I, I went right back to my job, never left it, and just managed to get healthy by the grace of God. Yeah, well, yeah. This is this is really good. Anything else you guys want to say to leaders who are listening that could encourage them or just clarify something we've already talked about? Yeah, you know, if if I could jump in on that one, I I have this um, in my life versus Psalm one. I'm I'm um, I'm passionate about just the idea of being that tree, the tree that chooses to root itself beside the stream, um, and every year. 
to to uh, to dig and grow my roots deeper and deeper and deeper into the rich soil uh, that um, that my heavenly Father nourishes. And as a result of doing that, if that is the work that I do to dig my roots deeper, um, then a natural outcome to that is going to be green leaves, right? Evidence of health. Um, and fruit that that bears in its time, you know, uh, that is not an effort that I have to put forth. I don't have to try to produce green leaves. I don't have to try to produce fruit. What I have to do is push my roots down. And so for me, when I'm talking to leaders, so many times when they're walking through challenging circumstances, no matter what it might be, maybe it is a toxic environment, maybe it's a, uh, you know, an environment where they're just not fed and, 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 um, and challenged to grow in their leadership, maybe it's limited resources, um, whatever the case may be. Um, sometimes the solution is not that band-aid of a bigger budget or um, a more encouraging leader. Maybe the solution is a lot of times the solution is to dig your roots deeper mm. into who God created you to be, you know, dig your roots deeper into the truth of his word so that you can walk in on Monday morning with the confidence of what you bring to the table, um, uh, knowing that he's going to surround you with those that have what you can't bring to the table. Yeah. Because you're just not wired that way, you know. Um, if we can become just uh, uh, trees that dig our roots deeper, I think that what we find is we get to experience ministry in a way we get to experience the fruits and the benefits of ministry um, like we've never experienced before. Um, mm. And you know, if, if there's anything, is it my my single motivation for wanting to be a part of this project and having the gift of getting to work with Jess on this, you know, my single motivation is, is that ministry leaders would make the choice to dig deeper yeah. rather than to uproot wow. their influence and uproot their, uh, uh, what they, what they bring to the table, uh, and either take it out of the ministry entirely or just, uh, move it to, uh, you know, to another location, uh, just dig deeper. Yeah. You know, we, um, I actually said this this week in, in my own podcast, I said a lot of times when things feel like it feels like everything around you is falling apart, mm-hmm. take a deep breath and put your eyes on Jesus. And I know that sounds so simple, but honestly, it's the solution to most of our problems. Yeah, If, right, we, if right. we would just take a breath and just put our eyes on Jesus, um, I, I think that we would be granted the perspective that we need to push through one more day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the very last page of our book, um, because we really, just what Gina said, she summarized it so beautifully. Um, she said, you know, like we wanted people to go d- deeper. And the very last page of the book, we gave scriptures and worship songs, um, like suggestions mm. for people, because we said at the end of the day, put your eyes on Jesus because mm. he's the one who will sustain you. Mm. That's good. That's so good. Tell us a little bit about your podcast, what you guys are up to, where people can get the book. It's called Don't Quit, but I love the clever title. It says, do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. Cool. Am I reading that right? <laughs> That's exactly right. right. Do it. Don't quit. Do it. Do it. Don't quit. Just do the work. (laughs) Best things in ministry come over time. Um, You just launched a new podcast, right? I did. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's been out. Um, I think I think we're on episode seven, six or seven right now. Um, it's called it's called the Women's Leadership Workshop Podcast. Um, you can anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, wherever it is, it's there. Um, and so, yep, you can check that out. Um, it is, you know, it's it, it's the Women's Leadership Workshop because I went searching for a, mm. a podcast for women specifically, and I couldn't find anything. And I feel like most of the time, if you're <laughs> adamantly searching for something then and there's it's not out there god's probably calling you to do something about it um and that's kind of what happened with with this but um i'm really excited about it i've been getting some good response so 
Um, yeah, that's great. Um, you can also reach me at familyministry.church. That's my blog. Um, there's lots of resources on there and, um, I do some consulting and some other things you can get in contact with me there. And of course, don't quit is on Amazon and of course, don't quit book.com. So that's where you can reach yeah. me. Gina, how about for yeah. you? Um, you can find me. I'm a little bit simpler. You can find me at Gina McLean.com uh, or email me at uh, Gina M at faithpromise.org. Cool. Well, I know people are going to want to connect with you. We'll link to everything. We have a ton of links. They'll all be in the show notes. And you're both brilliant leaders. I've learned a lot from both of you. I appreciate both of you. And I love how you're just, you know, you're so capable, so humble. And I just love what you're doing. Thanks for making all of us better today. Thank you. Well, how rich, honest, and helpful was that? Incredible. Thanks so much, Jessica. Thanks so much, Gina. We are going to be hanging out at the Orange Conference at the end of this month, also at Rethink Leadership. So if you're down there, you will see uh, Jessica and Gina, and I'll be there at Rethink Leadership and Orange Conference as well. That's in Atlanta, April 25th through 27th. Hey, Canadian leaders, if you haven't yet registered for the Canadian Church Leaders Conference, what's holding you back? We got a few tickets left. Would love to see you go to CanadianChurchLeaders.ca. It's happening in June, north of Toronto. I would love to host you for that. And hey, next week, we are back with a fresh episode. Again, subscribers, thank you so much for everything you do and all your encouragement. You guys are the best. And next week, I've got Rusty George. Rusty's been a friend. He leads Real Life Church, a large, like, four or 5,000-member church in California, of all places. And he and I have a fascinating conversation. I felt like it was, like, absolutely free counseling from... I ended up calling him Dr. Rusty by the end of the podcast. And um, it's on misplaced trust. This is a huge issue in leadership. It's so big, and his insights were so helpful. He was very personal, very raw, very honest, and very real about how misplacing his trust early in the days in leadership almost took him out. And, well, here's an excerpt. And so then I began the investigation of, all right, I need people. I, it's not enough just to say I'm an introvert, and so forget it. Right. I got to I got to find some people and I got to pour into them and I got to let them pour into me. And I had a conversation with a guy that's helped a lot of leaders, um, a counselor by the name of Dr. John Walker. We had a long conversation about this idea. And he really helped me understand the difference between trust and interest. And he said, there's that great line where John is talking about Jesus. And he says, but he would not entrust his heart to men because he knew the hearts of men. And you begin to look at Jesus' life, and he would trust people with ministry, with mission, with miracles, with his time, but he would only entrust his heart, self-worth, mission in his own life to the Father. Wow. And I, that was like an aha moment of maybe the problem I've had with people in the past is I have entrusted too much of my worth, too much of my validity too much of my ministry to somebody's opinion rather than just trust them with elements of leadership that they either take or don't take. And when I began to separate those out a little bit, again, all stuff I would teach to people but never apply to myself, I began to figure out, okay, only God has my heart. He's the only one that determines my value and what I'm worth. But other people, they can have my time. They can have my my interests, they can have my assistance, and they can have part of this ministry. And when I found someone to trust, but not entrust, that was a big turning point. So, 
that is next week. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, lots of other folks coming up on the podcast. We just had a bonus episode last week. So again, subscribers, you get that for free. Uh, but we've got Christine Kane. We've got Jerry Hurley from Life Church. Mark Clark is back on the podcast this summer. Uh, Nancy Duarte, Les McEwen, John Tyson, Max Lucado, uh, Patrick Lencioni, Levi Lusco, Rachel Cruz, Daniel Pink, so many more. It's going to be a great year. I'm so excited. You know, we have guests booked out to like next spring. It's crazy. It's crazy. Anyway, well, thank you so much for listening. And I really hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.